1: I'm Tanya Pinkins. Welcome back for part two of my conversation with Jay Armstrong Johnson. You're listening to You Can't Say That on the Broadway Podcast Network. Well, you're famous now, but before you were famous, when you just were gay, what did that church community say?
0: You know, my church was pretty liberal when I'm looking back on it. Um, they allow gay pastors. Um, they, uh, I, I'm my actually my favorite youth minister growing up just came out as bisexual on Facebook a few months ago. So it's. Um, I think it was more my Baptist upbringing because that was the first half of my life when I was younger. It was it was that Southern Baptist um mentality that kind of poured over um into my more liberal church life. Um so really I think it was more of my what I would hear from my family because you know my my family is v- very racist. They're very Christian, very racist, very white. I grew up in a community called White Settlement, for fuck's sake. I mean, actually, that's where I, I was. what does that mean? Apparently, the person that settled white settlement, their last name was white. Um, but that oh. was just it just happened <laughs> to be the community that I was born into. so it's it's just funny.
1: <laughs> so when was your first encounter with a person of another thing that wasn't white?
0: Um, it was probably pretty early because white settlement was technically like one of the worst parts of town in Fort Worth. It's like So you all were poor white people? Yes, ma'am.
1: Oh, um, that's a whole nother thing.
0: Oh, yeah, because the racism's even deeper in those poor white communities. And so I remember very distinctly the first girl I had a crush on in the first grade. Her name was Danielle, and she was a female of color, and I had such a crush on her. Um, but I also remember something very vaguely that like that wasn't right I I kept hearing that's not what we do (laughs) you know and the further my dad found himself in the business world um, the further we got away from that white settlement we went to the better part of town where all of a sudden I went to the school district where there was of a whole bunch of white people and just like a little sprinkle of black and brown, you know? And so the, the richer we got, the further we got away from the minorities in our Fort Worth area, which is something that I kind of have hindsight about as an adult that it wasn't quite aware of. And the wider that it got, the more racist that it got and, um, the more, um, the more, uh, anti-homosexual anti-anything not heteronormative I mean I wasn't made fun of for being gay until I found myself in that new very white school district Mm. I didn't even know what gay was until someone could kind of smell it on me at that very Mm. white school (laughs) you know Mm. yeah
1: what was that like that sounds
0: just I mean I cried myself to sleep most nights you know, oh. I mean, w- when you're told that homosexuality is an abomination and you're a third grader and y- you have this guy and that guy and that girl calling you gay Jay," and it's just so funny because your name rhymes with the goddamn word as well. You know, it just it rings over and over again. Right, your head. right. Um, so, yeah. Does that
1: heal? Does that ever heal?
0: Um, I'm really not quite sure. I, I, I think that because I have a sense of humor, I can kind of flip it. Like, I I love using the word faggot to mean cool. Like, oh, yes, faggot. You know, I like Mm -hmm. taking words back. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of females take back the word bitch. Yes, bitch. You know, like, Mm -hmm. I, I, I like to just reframe things and, you know, yes, oh, that was so gay. Like, you know, mm-hmm. in the third grade, so gay meant just the worst. But here I am, a 33-year-old man, and gay <laughs> means the best. It means mm-hmm. happy, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but there, there's definitely still hurt there, for sure. Um, but I don't know. Um,
1: Do you think you're a role model?
0: Um, I I think that I am. Um, mostly because of this social media thing, Um, because I have kids reaching out to me, sliding into my DMs, thanking me for creating a world where they could live. You know, I didn't have social media growing up, and so I I didn't have gay mentors until I actually like saw one for the first time at age 15 but I'm now having the 15 year old find me on a YouTube video of me kissing another boy and singing a musical theater song about being gay and all of a sudden I've created a world for them that feels inclusive uh, and, and harmonious and happy and something to look forward to so yeah um, I, I, I do feel like uh, at least for the LGBTQ plus community um, I'm a bit of a role model
1: Now, I mean, you know, it's still very difficult to be gay in the world. Sure. Do you still encounter, are there specific places that you travel where you have to be in fear or you still have to cover it up?
0: Yeah. I even sometimes fear, I'm fearful here in New York city every now and again. I, uh, I, I think twice before I hold my partner's hand on the street, which sucks. Um, I've had ice cream cones thrown at me from a window in Utah. Um, you know that I, I, I know that that it's uh, and the vote that we just saw is a sure indication that you know the gays aren't necessarily the most uplifted pe- um, people on the planet. So yeah, I, I don't feel necessarily a hundred percent safe everywhere I go. Um, so it, it it yeah I, I do. I feel myself kind of um, hide a bit. I kind of go back to that 13 year old boy, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. closet myself for, for safety's sake.
1: What is you think, like people always say, why do the black men vote for Trump? Why did the gays go for Trump? Women and men. What's that?
0: Oh my God. (laughs) It's a, this whole misinformation Fox news just spreading pure falsities. Just like, I think that's what it is. Um, mm. My father only watches Fox news. It's the network of the Christians. It's mm. it's the only one that they'll listen to because they'll quote a Bible verse before they tell you bullshit. So oh my God. It, it, really, it really is. It's this misinformation thing. And I think that when you are brainwashed in such a way um, that that's really all that you can. think. It's like when I was a, kid and i really truly didn't think i could possibly even be close to be being gay because i was told the gay is this and i'm not that you know it's it's a it's a brainwash thing so mm. i i really do feel like it's just society and media um and religion that really keeps people um on a certain track one 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 mm. way track in their minds about what is what and it's usually because they want to enter the gates of heaven <laughs>
1: The art in your house looks spectacular.
0: Oh, thanks.
1: <laughs> I mean, I can just see behind you and it's like all these prints and it looks like some antique stuff and in yeah. gilded frames. Is that yours? Your partner's?
0: Yep, yeah, most of it is mine. Um this is actually my caricature made by Justin Squiggs, who's like Broadway's mm. caricature artist. My boyfriend got that for me for Christmas last year. Mm. That's that's my damn face um mm. will and i got this when we went um to uh indonesia um mm.
1: what's the big one that looks like a
0: octopus yeah um will's favorite animal is actually an octopus um really
1: how did he like that my octopus teacher thing
0: oh he have you have you watched the octopus teacher thing yet he hasn't even watched it yet it's on our list of things do you did you watch i didn't
1: it? i didn't like it Didn't like it No, I thought that man was crazy. (laughs) He was like, he was having a relationship with an octopus. And I was like, you're just projecting all your craziness on that octopus. That octopus is not thinking about you.
0: Oh my God. (laughs) The first trip that my partner and I took was to Hawaii. And I remember Will specifically liking this particular artist's um, version of octopi that she mm-hmm. would create, and so um, for Christmas, I think last year I researched the artist online and had her do a print of of the octopus.
1: It's beautiful. You know, I just came from Korea, and I have to tell you that I was still affected by seeing that octopus show because I did not enjoy eating octopus anymore, and they eat it live there. I, I didn't. I didn't try. Yeah, they Wait. eat it live.
0: Wait, how do you do that?
1: They take the little baby octopuses and they put the whole live thing in their mouth. They do have a way where they cut it up and it just keeps moving, and you got to chew it really fast because they say it'll suck on your insides of your throat. Oh <laughs> I, <get> you. <laughs> I can't deal with that. No, 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 no. Yeah, they eat a lot of octopus in Korea, live octopus. Wow. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's terrifying. <laughs> I
1: didn't. I didn't do it. I was not that adventurous. I wanted to, but I was like, I can't. I, I can't do it. Yeah, I
0: don't. Uh, I don't like octopus in general. Even when they grill it, you know, it's, it's not for me. Really, I don't know.
1: Mm, well, I want to hear about that octopus show because I was like this man needs some therapy. <laughs>
0: yeah. And
1: everybody's like, oh, at the end, he was healed and he developed a relationship with his children because of the octopus. And I was like, the man had problems if <laughs> he needed an octopus to help him under- love his child and his wife. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I can't learn anything from him.
0: <laughs> oh my God. We have to watch it now. Now I'm intrigued.
1: <laughs> now you are so talented. Thanks, Tanya. Tell me what is in your heart, like, what is your spirit saying, I got to do, I got to make, what is, what is the, the thing in your spirit that's like, I got to do this, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but the, the spirit is like, this is, this is this thing I got to do, you may not know when you're going to do it, but there's this thing that you've been dreaming of, what's it, what's it, what is it? Um,
0: really, I kind of get versions of this question from, like, young artists, mm. Um and, uh, And I keep coming back to this lyric from Hamilton, actually, which is, uh, I will never be satisfied. Mm -hmm. I will never be satisfied. And uh, my dream was to be on Broadway, and I did it. And then my dream was to be on a television show, and I did it. And then my dream was to, you know. So the dreams just keep piling. Um, Mm -hmm. I believe I was called to be an artist. Um, Like, my sister was called to go into ministry. I was called to go into art. Um, and I thought it was at first to sing, and then I realized it was to dance, and then I realized that it was to act, and I could do all three. And so, I and then to produce it, I don't know. Um, the art that I create, I want it to create change. Mm. Um, I remember playing Peter Pan at age 13 and having this little girl come up to me with tears in her eyes saying that I changed her life. And as a 13 year old, to hear that come at you because of something you did, you, you had some play practice and then your play practice went well and you became Peter Pan and you did the whole theater thing and it was fun and everyone clapped for you. But I realized in that moment that what I could be doing is creating change that I could touch lives that I, um, that what I, what I did wasn't just like to entertain and to get pictures taken of me and to have red carpets, but that like art does create change, it opens up communication and, uh, it starts conversation. Um, and so that, that's what I want to do. Um, Is I, it your ministry? I think so. Um, I never considered myself a writer until a few years ago when I just started fucking writing. I never considered myself a producer until I realized that I didn't have any theater spaces to do anything. So I produced my own work because I wasn't getting the work myself. So, uh, um, My dad always told me to have a backup plan. Um, And every time I became unemployed over the last 15, 17 years of my life, he would call me and say, well, son, you want to come work for me now that your Broadway show's closed? (laughs) And I had to finally put my foot down about three years ago and be like, dad, I'm an artist. I'm an actor. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to have a fallback plan and I'm not going to come work for your company because this This is my life. This is my calling, and this is what I'm gonna do, regardless. Sometimes it's gonna be feast, sometimes it's gonna be famine. And uh, that's just what I'm doing. So he finally got he finally got the picture, <laughs> and he stopped calling me every time I'm unemployed now. Um, but yeah, it, I do think it's my calling. I do think it's my ministry. I want to create so much more. I, I, I want to reach so many more people. I mean, the Halloween show that we just did has almost reached 60,000 people. <gasps> 60,000 people my. on YouTube, which blows my mind because when we do the show live in New York City, it's 300 people in the audience and we do two shows. And so it's like, you yeah. know, 600 people get to watch the show. Oh, congratulations. You raised a few grand for Broadway Cares. But when you get to put it on a screen, um, you get to reach so many more people yes. and raise so much more money. Um, and so I, I, I'm really wanting to lean in to to this art form, um, mm-hmm. finding, creating art within a frame. Um, mm-hmm. it, it really can create more change, which I'm sure Red Pill is just going to like <laughs> already. I can't do. wait.
1: Yeah, I, I'm with you with It isn't that I'm never satisfied, but I just... I like expanding Mm. and expanding means risking and failing. And like my motto is brilliance lies in the moment that might not work. So, you know, making this movie, it was like, Oh, Oh, I need to be running a studio. I need to be running a country. I have that much energy. Like people are like, you have so much energy. I do. And I fail all the time. And it's like, Oh, okay. Well, I know how you don't do that. Okay. Let me go try some more ways. And that excites me. Failing is does not, I mean, it's not fun, <laughs> Right. but it's like, okay, now I know what you don't do. Let me keep going, you know? Yeah. And I think that not everybody has that.
0: That's amazing that you just said that because when someone asks me what's my biggest fear, I always say fear of failure. And so the fact that you are using failure, it's like flipping the word gay to mean something better now, or taking the word faggot and taking it back. You're taking the word failure, which is the scary word to me, my biggest fear, and you're showing me how to flip it on its ass and work work for me as opposed to against me
1: oh honey the most successful people
0: have failed the most there it is
1: if you haven't failed you ain't trying hard enough
0: that's right (laughs) that's right
1: okay because if you're gonna do something brilliant it means you're doing something nobody did so you got to avoid all the things that have been done yeah like
0: fear has no place
1: well no fear is when i know Oh, I'm working at the level I need to be working at. There it is. Oh shit, I might really fuck shit the bed this time. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. <laughs> that's, right. okay. that's 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 the edge I'm looking for. Okay. Like when people offer me stuff, I'm like, hmm, did that before? No. <laughs> oh, oh, I don't, I don't know how. Oh, I don't know how. Okay, let's go. Okay, right. we're gonna find a way. <laughs> we're gonna find a way, or we're not. Right. Or, or we're going to find out that that wasn't what we do. Right. That's true, too. <laughs> and we'll we'll know that that was one we don't do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my
0: God. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
1: A laundry? Ooh, a
0: book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino.
1: Tell me a failure that turned out in hindsight to be one of the best things that ever happened to you. Something that was the worst thing. And when you look back, you're like, actually, that was a really good thing that that happened.
0: Um, it was probably the first time I had my heart broken. Um, Back in my early 20s, I was so in in this relationship. It was... Um, I thought for sure I had found my husband. Um, I was just as in love with his family as I was with him. um, Just in my early 20s and thinking I had it all figured out until he told me that I actually didn't. And it broke me in a way that I had never experienced um, depression before. I'd never experienced uh, that kind of low. And because of that moment, that's when my art really kind of took off. Um, Mm. When I found myself alone um, and sad and fearful, Um, that's when I really first started journaling. And when I first started um, really uh, finding strength within myself and not within others, um, I think I often would... Latch out for codependent relationships to help get me by. Um, And that was the first time that, that, that relationship failing was the first time that I actually had to learn how to stand on my own two damn feet. Um, And that's when my career really took off too. Mm. Um, I found a focus that was inside of myself um, and not outside of myself, I guess. Mm. Yeah,
1: I hope you will listen back to this. That was kind of profound.
0: Ooh, I just felt it. I, <laughs> I like this calm come over me in a weird way. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and mm. what's even better is that uh, I've come back to be his friend. It's been over a decade since we broke up, and we talk a lot on social media, and we support each other in our artistic endeavors. And uh, it it took it took a decade for me to be able to actually be friends with him again. But now that we are, um, it feels right. You know, feels good.
1: What is your message to your family in this moment where some people are biting their nails? (laughs) I'm sure that your family is biting their nails and going, Trump better win it, or the Supreme Court better give it to them. And the Supreme Court may well give it to them.
0: Ain't that the truth? My message to my family is I'm not looking back. Um, I left Texas at age 17, and I didn't look back. I have called my family out publicly on how racist we are, and I I'm not looking back. Um, I, I am, I'm here to push shit forward. Um, that makes them uncomfortable. And they want me to apologize and to appease and to be quiet. Um, that's, I'm not in the business of doing that. Um, I can't be. Um, I won't be. Uh, and if it means that relationships in my family falter because of it, then that's them stuff, not me stuff. Um, I, know f- I know that they will be on the wrong side of history when all is said and done. When all of these old racist white people die off, um, the young Gen Z's of this world are going to rise up. They already are creating change. Um, they get it. Way more than we do, and that's because they have this phone that's teaching them things that we didn't get to learn about. So, yeah, it's uh, it's either get on the train or uh, I don't know. I'm I'm not looking back. I guess is really.
1: And what's your message to the next little third grade gay (laughs) J?
0: My message to the next little third grade gay Jay is, oh, have fun. <laughs> I, I. He's
1: crying himself to sleep every night.
0: I. He he might be, um, but he didn't. He has that. He has that phone. He's got RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick hall oh, fucking hall you know the, he has so many more mentors than i could even p- possibly imagine i think the only mentor that i really had was the villain in silence of the lamps <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is crazy right there i'm looking up what was his name
0: too? Oh God, uh, actor?
1: Oh, no, no, no. The character oh, was uh, okay. Buffalo Bill. Whoa! Buffalo Bill.
0: <laughs> so, so you know, I, I'm feeling good about the new gay Jay in the third grade. Um, their future looks bright to me because my future looks bright to me. I mean, I, I've always lived life thinking positively um and so i I, i'm feeling good about this new generation they're pushing me for sure i mean I, i love hearing the kids here in new york city you know you're you're not cool if you've if you consider yourself any gender or sexual orientation, you know they're like, you're too young to even know what you like. Like, how dare you even say that you're straight? You don't know that yet. Like, that's how lit these kids are these days.
1: <laughs> oh yes, you, I, I just watched a movie yesterday called Shakedown. Find it. It is about the women in the clubs in LA who were way before Megan the Stallion where they are dancing, but for women. So it's the B-O-I culture, the women who consider themselves men and they don't want a lesbian, they want a woman. Mm. And the freeness and the the natural bodies, it's so worth seeing because it's that 70s, 80s, 90s music and the dance, it's so inspiring. You know, what safety can look like when a community gets together and makes a sacred space for them to do their thing. You know, of course, the police are harassing them and shutting them down and all of that, but what they created for themselves to to, to, to celebrate, you know, their lives and, and sexuality. Here's a, a question I want to ask you because you've been on, you know, you, you, as you said, it's Feast or Famine. You've been on a TV series, a very successful TV series. So that's a big money gig. Broadway's a big money gig how do you uh do, how do you live your life financially is it like i got a lot of money i'm going to spend a lot of money i don't have a lot of money I'm gonna, how do you do that
0: um i kind of take it day by day but the fact of the matter is is i've got five broadway shows <clears throat> a really great television show under my belt and i'm still in student debt so um oh you know, oh my god it's, And people kind of freak out when they hear that because they think that I probably own an apartment in New York city and that I'm rolling in the dough and that, you know, I have (sighs) to, that's actually not true. Um, Mm. but uh, you know, I'm collecting unemployment right now. That's how I'm getting by. Um, and teaching gigs is really kind of, um, my way of making extra money on the side, getting some money in my Venmo account by, Mm -hmm. you know, teaching acting or teaching voice, um, to the young artists of tomorrow, you know, mm-hmm. um, that's that's how I make money when I'm not actually working is teaching. I really love mm-hmm. teaching.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think people really want to know how are, how are we going on? Like people want to know how do we, and, and, and for me, I feel like my power place has been to find a standard of living that I can always live. And if there's more that comes in, I use it to invest in things I want to create. So I'm not having to go ask for money, but my standard of living is so simple that I could live on unemployment and, and pay my bills so that I'm not uh, forced to be a slave, a wage slave because I have a lifestyle I have to maintain.
0: Right. Yeah. I I kind of feel the same way, especially when Quantico happened, I was finding myself with lots of money that I had not really ever been used to. um, And, I was also finding that I wasn't getting any other jobs when we were in between shooting seasons. And so mm. I, was, I used the money to create, to live, and to live and to create. Uh, mm-hmm. and that's when I started producing concerts. And that's when this Halloween thing came to fruition because I had a little bit of money to pay a wig artist, and a costume artist, and a makeup mm-hmm. artist to do me up for fun one night, you know? <laughs> it has
1: been such a pleasure. Oh. Such a pleasure. You' gonna have to hook me up with Tiger Call because I got to talk to Tiger Call. I'm such a fan, so I got to talk to Tiger Call. I'm gonna hit you up about
0: that. Absolutely. Um,
1: Is there anything I didn't ask you that you wanted to say to the people of you know on Broadway Podcast Network? Anything I didn't ask?
0: You're so damn good at this. No, there's nothing that you didn't ask. Um, I'm just happy to have these conversations with you and and that you reached out to me to have these kinds of conversations. Um, uh, I I look to you as. One of the smartest people that I've ever come across. You challenge me in ways that I have, and I've been challenged a lot this year, but you're continuing to push it. So I just want to thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) I'm so excited about Red Pill Oh, <laughs> red
1: pill. You know, I might have to sneak you a little rough cut
0: to let you just oh, see How uh-huh. Are you speaking the language? Speaking
1: I, my language. I, I, I might just sneak you a little. Rough. Actually, I, I sneaked a little one to Jeremy O'Hara's out in Europe right now. I was like, Jeremy, look, look at this this weekend. Tell me what you think. Amazing. So, I, I might have to sneak you a little rough cut. It, you know, the music and color and all that isn't done, sure. but uh, I can't. It's 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 kind of exciting. I would, love you know. It. Cause I love horror, but my horror, my daughter and I's horror victim. If they're screaming and people are getting slashed, she happy. I'm like, no, I gotta be thinking about something. I gotta have something I'm trying to figure out. I gotta be learning something, you know, wondering, wondering. Cause you know, in a horror movie, there's a monster, everybody gonna die, and you're rooting for the monster. (laughs) So that that's a foregone conclusion. That's right. What else is keeping me staying here? So I think I did that. I call it the Black Woman's Get Out. Cool. And uh, yeah. 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 Okay. I'll I'll sneak you a little rough cut to look at. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Jay. This is Tanya Pickens. You are listening to You Can't Say That on the Broadway Podcast Network with my guest, Jay Armstrong Johnson. you you
0: You is kind. You is smart. You is
1: important. You is dead. Tanya Pinkins' horror film, Red
0: Pill, brings African-American perspective to progressive movement.
1: We are a majority in this country, and we're gonna win the election. Do you know what the red pill is? A red pill is someone who infiltrates a group and then destroys them from the inside. This place is spooky. Some people like to live dangerously. Cass, why are you so jumpy tonight? You know what, guys? I'm gonna go back tomorrow. Did you hear about the creature woman that attacked a father and son hunting down here? I don't see the case. This place creeps me out. I think we should call the sheriff's office. missing or dead are brown people
0: they're after all of us what do we do Amelia we die but we take some of them with us it doesn't count if you don't play
1: it. thanks for listening to you can't say that the show where you can I'm Tanya Pinkins, and You Can't Say That is part of the Broadway Podcast Network, produced by Dory Berenstein and Alan Seals, edited by Derek Gunther, with music by Kat Dale. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast highly wherever you stream. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Tanya Pinkins. And to learn more, visit B. P N dot F M forward slash Y C S T. Stay safe.